And good morning or afternoon or whatever time it is. It's a good time for politics. It's time to get involved. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. Well, today I think I have a good guest. Um, I look forward to introducing him, but first I want to give you some opportunities to get involved. Um, essentially, they're, they're, they're chances for you to go out, meet like-minded people. You know, when you sit there alone or you're just on the Internet, it's not the same. You need to go out, see people in person, get involved. And so the first opportunity to get involved will be this Saturday. It is the Move On Recall Um this is a, 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 basically a fundraiser. Uh, Trevor Carey will be the MC, and it is to pre- collect funds to remove six of the seven school board members at FUSD, Fresno Unified School District. Um, they need to go. Fresno is in the bottom 5% in the nation. It's $100. That is moveonrecall at gmail.com. And you can RSVP through that email. The next event is Sunday. This one's about medical freedom. Uh, that is from 3 to 5 at Clovis and Shaw Avenue. That's essentially in front of the target. If we don't have medical freedom, do we have freedom? You know, they're telling us that we have to get a vaccination when 99.8 of us, even with them fudging the numbers, are just fine if we get COVID. Hmm. Plus, we're, it's an experiment. Anyway, consider going out to that one. Uh, Monday night, 6.30 p.m., Constitutionalists for California, Clovis Chapter is having a meeting at 1123 Railroad Avenue. I hope to see you there. Um, I'm the lead for that chapter. The Kingsburg Chapter, Tuesday night, 9.14 at 6.30 p.m. They're going to have Maddie Marks Noble. She's from the Leadership Institute. And that is at 15,000 Rose Avenue. The final big one, please, everybody, if you haven't already voted, I encourage you to vote yes. Uh, my candidate is, is Larry Elder, but vote who, who, your, who your conscience tells you to. But I, I, I strongly support Larry Elder. And vote in person, if there's any way possible. For Fresno County residents, if you can find a polling place, it doesn't matter if it's your polling place. They've allowed us to go in and vote anywhere in the county. So there's not a lot of excuses. The polls are open for several days up till the 14th. Please get it done. This is the the health of our state is on the line. I have a quote actually from the John Birch Society, and my guest is from the John Birch Society. Less government, more responsibility. And with God's help, a better world. I think that that really pretty profound. It is my pleasure to introduce Joe Panzarello. Joe, welcome. Thank you, Eric. Good morning. Good morning. So, Joe, tell me a little bit about how you got involved in activism. Did it start with John Birch or where did you start? You know, strangely enough, Eric, it didn't. You know, oftentimes there's one particular issue uh, that people feel strongly about that end up getting them into the movement somehow or activism or politics. And several years ago, approximately in 2006, 
it was the illegal immigration issue that ended up bringing me into uh, activism. Um, and I joined an organization down there in uh, the Huntington Beach area. And from there, I got in touch with a couple people from the John Birch Society. And, you know, as soon as I was invited to one of these great meetings and they showed one of these um, excellent uh, videos that the JBS produces, it was actually called The Building of the North American Union. And it was there that I learned that, you know, looking at the illegal immigration problem at the time was only a part of the puzzle. It was just a piece of the puzzle. There was a bigger picture out there that I was not aware of. And it got me more interested in the organization. And I became a member approximately in 2008. Uh, and I became a member, a coordinator for the society in 2011. So um, at my 10 year anniversary mark right now with working for the society. Well, that's really cool. You know, we all have kind of a story and a journey as to how we go from just everyday citizen to activist. Yes. So what are the goals of the John Birch Society? You know, obviously you're well, in leadership, so what do you guys do? Absolutely. I mean, the overall strategy, Eric, of this society is to hate <clears throat> yourself, hate others, impede more infringements on our constitutional liberties, and is the tricky one, and that's to roll back infringements and violations of the Constitution that's already happened. And that can happen through a process known as nullification. Um, a lot of the constitutionalists out there are, are you know, familiar with that. And it's a huge, powerful thing, nullification, because the individual states have enormous power uh, to basically pass legislation um, that nullifies unconstitutional things that the federal government passes. So that's the most important thing, Eric, about the society. And that's the thing I love about it is its focus on education and the training of the electorate, the training of the voter. Because the theory is, Eric, that if we have a more constitutionally minded electorate, uh, the more prone people are to make better decisions come election time. Yeah. They can know, they can know the issues. They can know the conservative position to have on those issues. And it also allows them to use our material and use our new American magazine to properly vet candidates leading up to election time. I think that's a huge issue. We don't really spend very much time researching candidates and figuring out how, who they are. We've been so spoiled because thank goodness our economy is so incredibly good because, and I think that's largely based on the freedom, the, the ability for people to innovate, for people to take chances and their hard work pays off. No matter the color of your skin, hard work pays off in this country. Absolutely. So because of that, because we're kind of in this unique situation, um, we don't tend to appreciate and spend the times pro pro protecting our freedoms. Um, I noticed a right. huge number of educational materials. Can you talk a little bit about the educational materials that the John Birch Society has? I, I was amazed. Yes. You know, when, when we met, uh, you know, I where I 
usually give speeches and have the opportunity to speak to great uh, groups in Central California, I always like to have some sort of a literature table or book table uh, so that people have the opportunity to take some of our information, take some of our messages home with them, our DVDs that we produce, um, the copies, extra copies of the New American Magazine, um, pamphlets, reprints, booklets. Um, I have a copy here of our Freedom Index. And this is something, Eric, that the society puts out twice a year in the New American Magazine. And the Freedom Index is basically our scorecard for Congress. Um, we take about 10 or 12 specific pieces of legislation and we grade Congress on how they vote on those pieces of legislation. So for instance, if they're getting a score of 100%, you know, just like in grade school, Eric, you get 100%, you get an A plus, you know, and it goes down from there. So if they get 100% in the scorecard here in the Freedom Index, that means they're voting in line with the Constitution when they have an opportunity to vote on these bills. Um, well, now that's an, important, that's an important detail because a lot of people yeah. don't, they have such busy lives, they feel they don't have the time. So here's a resource where they can take a look and go, well, should I be voting for this guy? Just because he's the incumbent doesn't mean you should be voting for them. Absolutely, Eric. And you know what? We don't discriminate either at the John Birch Society. If we have, you know, we're, we're a nonpartisan organization. So we don't endorse any specific candidate or party. We're not set up that way. If a Republican is voting poorly in Congress, um, and siding with the Democrats and not doing his, you know, not living up to his constitutional oath, we're calling that person out as well. Um, so, you know, it's a great tool to be able to share with people, number one, to get them paying attention to what their representatives are doing, mm -hmm. which is extremely important. And number two, it allows the voters to properly vet candidates for reelection. Because then if they have some sort of voter record, uh, you know, record of voting that they can obviously look at to say, you know, hey, this guy's, you know, 90% and above 90%. I like this guy. He's in there doing his job. I think I'll vote for him again, and we should keep that person in office. Okay, so we're going to take a brief break. Um, we'll still be on Facebook Live. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. And welcome. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. And I'm talking with Joe Panzarelli. And he's from the, Panz not Panzarelli, Panzarello. This is, and he's from the John Birch Society. And we were talking about candidates. And when they have a track record, there are ways to look them up. It's fairly easy. How do we figure out? where a candidate is really at when they're first-time activists, when suddenly they're running for their polit first political office. And, and I think that Joe probably has some good suggestions on that. Right. Well, Eric, uh, case in point, you mentioned Larry Elder earlier, and here we are uh, in the last four or five days before the recall uh, election. And, you know, somebody like a Larry Elder who has not held office before, um, 
you know, that's a situation that we don't have the luxury of looking at his voter record, right? But so we have to go back to what the individual, in this case, Larry, says about the issues and about the topics and what his position is on those issues. But we do have the luxury with Larry Elder of paying attention to the things that he's been reporting on and the things that he's been saying as a commentator, as a political commentator and somebody with a radio program for I don't know how many years now. Um, I think he's been on the radio with his own show for 27 and around commenting for 30. Wow. So we have that a real is, track record. That is actually more than most candidates. Yes, that's absolutely right. So we, we have something that we can go back on and and look at footage or hear the things that Larry has said about things so we can really have a great concept and idea about what he's going to do once he gets in office, uh, as opposed to somebody like, you know, an AOC in New York who runs for an office and, you know, who is a bartender and coming in off the streets and all of a sudden, you know, the, the Justice Democrats uh, put her to the front of the line. Uh, we didn't know anything about that person. Well, unless you, know? you went to her bar and hung out. You're right, right. Other than that, yeah, and uh, and we see the ramifications of that, of course. Um, so in that particular situation, yeah, we have to pay attention to what candidates are saying on the campaign trail. It's important to really get them in a corner and give them some hard issue questions and ask their position on specific bills. Uh, and other things that Congress has voted for or a legislature in a state has voted for. Yeah, whatever whatever office, you need to ask them questions that are pertinent to that office. And most candidates yeah. do end up going to groups. There are opportunities, especially in today's world, where you don't even have to go to the meeting. You can see it on Zoom or some other online forum. One of the other ways that right. you get a real sense of who a person is is you look at their social media. Most people are on social media. Right. What are they posting? What are they standing for or against? That tells you a lot, especially what were they standing for or against before they decided to run for an office? Exactly. Right. Um, there's all sorts of uses for social media these days, Eric. And that's, you know, one of the things that goes hand in hand with uh, everybody having a smartphone these days and the ability to record themselves mm -hmm. and record footage of things is that everybody has what amounts to be a, a you know recording studio right in the palm of their hand and they love to post things about themselves they post their activities uh and their their own you know superstar in a way uh, so looking at social media with regards to a lot of these candidates it's also very important too yeah you know i've met nine people running for governor and have studied, let's say 30 of the 47, or is it now 46? Cause OC's out. Um, Larry Elder wasn't my first choice though. He wasn't in early, so he wasn't even on the radar screen. That's correct. Right. Um, I really like Daniel Mercury, but you got to show up in the polls for me to consider you really like Daniel Mercury was impressed really like Jenny Ray LaRue was in Incredibly impressed, and she would have been my first choice. But you have to show up in the polls. 
And right. I'm pretty happy with Larry. He's not perfect, but he's real. He's a genuine guy. And I think oh, that's yeah. a big deal. Um, he's like Trump, but more polite in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, says what's on his mind is real. Yes. No BS. He's just a little more polite. Yes. And, Larry is more polished. Yes. I will say. But we need that. Um, traditional politicians don't seem to be providing answers. It's like, well, this is yeah. what government does. So, well, this is what we have to do. There's no thinking outside the box. There's no innovation. Yeah. And so that's why Larry left, leaves me so hopeful. I'm right there with you, Eric. You know, before Larry entered into the race here, you know, and it's very important, obviously, that we talk about this gubernatorial race because this is something that has made national news. Right. This is not just news and a topic that's confined to the state of California here. Um, it made national news when Larry Elder announced that he was throwing his hat in the ring. Um, all of a sudden, from coast to coast, people were talking about this candidate uh, because the traditional candidates who have held offices before, who have been politicians before, like uh, Kevin Faulkner, the former mayor of uh, you know San Diego, and he's a total moderate rhino. At uh, best, or even you're way more polite than I am. I truly think he's slime. Yes. Right, and, and his campaign right. is welcome to contact me. Yeah, I'm not hiding from that. <laughs> if if there's a swamp down in San Diego, he's he's that's where he resides. And, you know, or if you had a member of the private sector come in, you know, a multi a multimillionaire like a John Cox, uh, who has run for office before and lost several times before. Um, I believe it's no seven, seven times well-funded and hasn't won. How can you take right. him seriously? Yes. That's right. Uh, no, no real pizzazz, no real attraction, no real solutions to the problems. The bear's cool, uh, though. Know. What's that? The bear is cool. Oh, of course. You know. <laughs> but he has, there's uh, no other pizzazz. You know, you know then, then somebody like Larry comes onto the scene and uh, who has real solutions to problems. He's been looking at what's been going on with politics for a long time. And in this recall election, Eric, you have to remember that, you know, the, the time frame, the time frame was so small to campaign for this highest office in the state. And none of these other candidates have the ability and the finances to let a lot of people in the state know about their campaign. But right. Larry, through his interviews, his appearances on national TV, um, through his radio show, he's the one who has the ability to let a lot of people in California know what he's doing and what's important. And his very, very special candidate. Yes. And his, and all his national connections. He can get the word out in a way that no other candidate that is running can. Right. So he leaves me with hope. The fact that Gavin Newsom has decided he needs to trash Larry. The fact that the, what was it? The Los Angeles Times decided to call him the white, no, the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> you know, they had to play the race card on a black guy. Really? You know, race shouldn't should, matter. It, that's right, Eric, but I love it. I love it because it shows the true desperation of the left right now. You know, this in right now they're, they're flying in, you know, Kamala Harris and creepy uncle Joe Biden 
and they've had Bernie Sanders on the commercials. They've had Elizabeth Warren on the commercials. They're, they're really showing the desperation right now for Gavin Newsom because uh, somebody like him who's adopted the same principles in California as uh, Jerry Brown, uh, they've got nothing to point to as a victory or a success. Right. It's like, you know, Joe Biden pointing to our our time in Afghanistan and calling it a success. Okay. So literally all of the problems that we're facing right now in the state of California can be attributed to Democrats and leftist principles. So there's nowhere to go but up. Well, there's really only one party that has complete and utter control and has for how many years in California? I'm not sure of the, n- the number, but more than 10. Right. More than 10 with a supermajority. They yes. own what's happening. And they yep. should be held accountable. One party rule Absolutely. corrupts. Um, I think if we were that strongly Republican, we'd have a different list of problems. Well, you know, Eric, and that's why there's there's so many counties and there's so many rural areas in California that are red, mm-hmm. that are Republican, uh, outside of the huge metropolitan areas. Uh, and this is why people are clamoring right now in this state for solutions. Uh, so there, there's people right now talking about the Constitution. They're using the rule of law and the Constitution to try to form the 51st state of the Union, you know, the new California. The new California people. The Jural Assembly is simply uh, attempting to do something similar. They're a little newer. Um, the state of Jefferson movement. Right. Uh, there's a whole right. lot of the state that's had enough because yes. they don't believe their voice is heard. Absolutely. They're not being represented, Eric. So in our constitutional republic that we have and that we hold so dear and where so many people are working so diligently, um, especially with the history of the John Birch Society, I mean, they're, they're working so hard um, to restore conservatism in our freedoms and liberties in this country. Um, but once you don't have representation anymore, you've got a serious problem. Yeah. You know, we do have some local represent, representation. The problem is some of them won't stand. The other problem is there's simply not enough of them that their voices, that they can stop anything. If we had a governor that would bring some common sense, we could change the whole dynamic. It wouldn't fix everything in California because there's a lot of work to be done. But right. if you sit on your butt, and you go, well, my vote doesn't matter. I've watched what happened in other counties. What's going to happen? Right. You know, we look at right. Maricopa or what happened in Pennsylvania or in Georgia, and they go, well, we're sunk. It doesn't matter. If you're already defeated, what you're going to end up with, because I believe the final COVID variant is communism. We're headed that direction, and California is leading the way in being a totalitarian yes. state. You won't have yes. the freedoms and choices that you currently have. There's a reason why California, for the first time ever, has a net loss of people. Because taxpaying middle-class citizens are like, I'm out of here. Rich people can afford it. Poor people can't afford to move. The middle class right. is leaving. Eric, especially that we have, you know, we we don't talk about the uh, the baby boomers uh, often enough either. You know, that's a group of 76 million people in the country. 
And, you know, they're up in age now. They're all of retirement age and they're on limited income. You know, maybe they're just getting their Social Security checks and their dollar is not going far enough in California. So as a result, with the high taxation, uh, the high regulations for businesses, um, they don't have a choice. Um, They literally, with the constant increase in the cost of living, uh, they have to have an alternative choice. And that's why they're moving to people, you know, Arizona, Texas, Idaho, um, things along those lines. Well, they can uh, sell I their property. Yeah, they can sell their property for for most of the rest of the country at prices they would consider to be crazy. Yes, right. That's another thing is, uh, you know, the astronomical changes uh, in the in the value of homes. Um, so it's great for them if they can, if they've owned their home, let's say for 30 or 40 years and they can cash in mm-hmm. and they can sell it outright and go and retire out of state, you know, buy some, uh, house or mobile home, um, free and clear and not have a mortgage payment and just, you know, kind of survive on the balance. But, um, it works the other way too, that now you have a whole bunch of people here in California who cannot afford to buy a house and can't afford their new house and now they're in some sort of a rental situation. And boy, that's one of the other things, Eric, that has really been messed up here in our economy in this state is um, this moratorium on um, being able to get cool. people, get get renters uh, out of their apartments right, and, and, and their houses um, and, and not be able to, to get these people out. So they've been protected under the guise of covid uh, for so long now, and because of these regulations and the shutdowns and uh, this business being essential and that business not being essential, uh, these people have not been able to be evicted. Mm-hmm. So now they've been in their rental situation and not paying for several months. And this is going to have huge ramifications on these loan loan companies and banks and all sorts of things uh, because the bills don't stop coming in. Eric? No, somebody owns those. And the thought that everybody that owns a rental property is some rich guy really isn't true. Right. The ones that it matters are all those middle-class people where maybe early on they bought a house and then they, they rented that house and bought a second house. Yes. And imagine if you're middle-class and suddenly cheap rent on a house would be what? $2,000. Probably can't see that in LA. You can up here. But it's it's in a bad area and it's tiny. In LA, right. it's it's probably that's a bad studio apartment in a lot of areas. Yes, right. Um, things have uh, certainly changed and gone the other way, and there's all sorts of problems with regards to California. Um, but you know, the John Birch Society, uh, we have members in every state across the nation. Um, Eric, we've been in existence for 63 years now. Uh, working diligently to defend our constitution and uphold and 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 protect our freedoms and liberties. And Eric, that's why governments were created mm-hmm. to protect and preserve our freedoms and liberties, not to infringe upon them. So oftentimes people get discouraged. You talked about voters earlier and, mm-hmm. and discouragement. You were knocking on that door of not having representation. And then when corruption creeps in and voter fraud gets revealed in these elections. Uh, That's the most dangerous thing, Eric, is voter 
depression and discouragement yep. that they feel now that their vote doesn't count and they just throw in the towel and they say, you know what, that's it. And or they that become a radical a lot. Yeah, that they either do that or they become a radical. Right. And, you know, and you and know, a, a radical, whether it's on the right or the left, because they're both um, right. is dangerous for a, a democracy because radicals don't believe in any compromise. And while I definitely have my position, I know I'm not going to get everything I want. In a, I call this a democracy. I understand it's a representative republic, and there is a key difference, but I don't know that we have to go into that at this moment. Well, it's, it's great, Eric, that you touch on that, actually, because uh, one of our most popular short documentaries with the society is something called Overview of America. Anybody can go on um, uh, BitChute or Rumble or YouTube and punch in Overview of America in the search bar and it'll come up. It's a 30-minute documentary and among other things, it talks about what the difference is between a republic and a democracy. Because as you're aware, to this day, to this day, Eric, there are people in and around our government on both sides of the aisle who describe our form of government as a democracy. And it is not. Right. Because it was a true democracy, democracy you know, um, that would mean mob rule. Mob rule. It's Rather than individual wolves. rights. It's, right. Two wolves and a sheep deciding what to have for dinner. And this is, once we get into this talk about consensus, right? Obama was a pro at this. When he talked about things in a consensus frame of mind, he says, well, you know, this is what most Americans want, so this is what I'm going to do. Okay, and everybody sort of heard that, and they processed that, and they say, you know what, yeah, I want to be in the majority also. I don't want to be in the minority. I don't want to be the black sheep. So if the majority of people feel that we should have vaccine mandates, that's what they're going to approve of. Or if they feel that the majority of people think that it's beneficial to have all kids in schools wearing the mask, that's where they're going to go. So they're not looking at, they're completely bypassing our laws and the law of the land and our liberties and freedoms that are in place. And they're not adhering to those things. They're just bypassing them and saying, well, for the sake of safety and keeping everybody safe, um, I think we should mandate that all of the employees in the county or the city get the jab. Yeah. That's it, where we are right now, right. Eric, and that's what we're combating. Absolutely. It's kind of a scary thought that we no longer, because we've complied, because we've essentially handed over the power, we now have to just listen to what they say. Um, I would say that there's a constitution and a whole system set up to protect your rights. And if you comply, that's almost as, as bad as giving away your rights. Even if you believe in the jab, even if you think it is the greatest thing since whatever your favorite food is, right? Um, it is 99.8% of the people are fine if they get this, get COVID. Why would you give up your freedom? Right, right. This is where we are, is, and if people forget that, Eric, you, you, you bring up the whole root of the, of the topic, is that 
there is never the mortality rate of SARS COVID two has never been above one percent. Yeah, we're, we're we're talking about something that is as dangerous as the flu and contracting the flu. Mm-hmm. And we went through this last year, and there was a cure. There was upwards of ninety nine percent rate of success these doctors were having administering hydrochloroquine with zinc and ivermectin mm-hmm. if if those methods were were treated if those symptoms were treated early on when the symptoms arose they were having enormous success and as you're aware eric those those treatments were criticized and ridiculed and stomped down and tramped down and said that they were unsafe and unreliable and this and this, because if those things were effective, then they couldn't have the emergency authorization right. uh, and bring in these experimental vaccines. Well, I think there's a, there's a, a multiple reasons why they wanted the jab. I think part of it's the money trail. It's always the money trail. You know, right. all those treatments you mentioned cost near nothing. Right. Near nothing. So Big right. Pharma didn't prosper. Um, I I tend to believe that all of this was planned and that they released this from a lab. But even if I'm wrong, there's no doubt in my mind that as soon as this started, a plan formed. Right. There are numerous high-level Democrats that are famous for saying, don't let an opportunity pass. Don't let a crisis go to waste, yep, right? That's the famous that's... words, right? Um, and and that's exactly what what they're doing right now. Um, and this is why education is so important, Eric. And this is why the 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 present day patriot movement, as I know it and as I see it, is standing on the shoulders of six decades of work that the John Birch Society has been doing. Um, we have the best informative magazine out there, the New American Magazine. That's a fantastic source of news and information. And actually, uh, we did a reprint on one of our articles on one of our recent issues on COVID, uh, a cure worse than, di- than the disease, question mark. And one of the main articles in there is by Dr. Lee Merritt. Uh, we've got some of these fantastic people uh, involved with the new American to write for us. And she just points out um, all of the lies and all of the deception that's involved with the quote unquote vaccinations. She doesn't even call them vaccinations. She says they're experimental unapproved genetic agents. Yeah, They are not vaccines because number one, they don't prevent anybody from contracting COVID. And number two, they don't prevent anybody from transmitting COVID. Right. So they don't even fit the the definition of what a vaccine is supposed to do. Well, and they're calling it a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Those two points you just made are key to fighting that. Anybody that says, oh, well, you're not vaccinated, so you're spreading it. You're the problem. They're uninformed. And we need to remember those two key points. They are uninformed, Eric, and it's getting it's. As soon as I heard Joe Biden say those words, that we have a pandemic of the unvaccinated, um, right away, 
they it got to a point that the herd immunity plateaued and the amount of people getting the shot voluntarily plateaued so that's how they had to come up with all of these cheesy incentive programs to try to get more people the shot uh you know you can get your free beer or your taco or your free donut or you can enter into this uh california lottery right to win all this money if you provide proof that you got the shot uh the incentives were there but once they graduated into labeling the unvaccinated as basically an enemy or a bad person or or some sort of diseased person that was contributing to these cases uh i knew we were going down a bad path and we're gonna have to really bring more people to this fight uh it's always a matter of educating and then developing those new educated people into members and activists because eric the numbers matter mm-hmm. and our numbers matter and our numbers whether it's at a rally or in a city council meeting or a county supervisors meeting or in a class action lawsuit mm-hmm. that we're seeing these lawsuits come up right now um numbers matter and courage and bravery matters. Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and take a break. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. And welcome back. Today I'm talking with Joe Panzarello, and he's from the John Birch Society, um, a great resource. Um, I believe it's jbs.org, is that correct? Correct. Um, so most of their educational materials are readily available. Um, if you want to see the full site, you have to go to the pay side, but I understand why they do that. Um, they're actually a real conservative organization, so I'm sure they have a big target on their back. So they're they're kind of vetting people before they get all the way through to the pay side. That's reasonable, but they have tremendous, tremendous educational materials that you can order from them. We're going to talk a little bit about critical race theory. I spoke about this last night at the school board meeting in Clovis, and all of those members sat there like they were afraid. Now, they cut down our time because we've been showing up in numbers, and they didn't really want to hear from us. Thank you so much for respecting our ability to communicate with our elected representatives, Dr. Fogg. Um, you know, you claimed you wanted to hear from us and then you cut it down to three minutes because you really don't. I don't believe you. But I still got in two minutes of talking about critical race theory and they sat there in fear. Nobody was nodding their heads. Nobody was moving. It was like they were sitting there with big eyes going, oh, my God. Guess what? If you're OK with critical race theory and you allow this to happen. You were advocating racism. So what do you think of critical race theory? Boy, I tell you, Eric, you know, not saying anything in those situations, you know, to be silent is to speak. Yes. That happened in Germany. Yes. Right. Um, To speak is to speak and not to speak is to speak also. 
Um, if you're complacent, if you're compliant, if you're sitting there on the sidelines, uh, <clears throat> like some of these school board members, and you're, they're not showing any emotion, they're not showing any approval or agreement or anything like that, you know, they're just part of the problem. And that's why elections are so important. And that's why activism is so important uh, for these parents uh, to get involved, Eric, in the way that they've done. And it's weird that people think that something like critical race theory is new to the scene. It is not. Uh, through our article here and through a little bit of research that I've done on the subject, this has been around for a while. And there's two ways that the insiders and the leftists use to, in, in essence, destroy a society from within. They have to generate fear and division. Yep. Now, mm. earlier we talked about the COVID scenario and the vaccine scenario and everything like that that is one of the ultimate examples of that because they've established the fear mm -hmm. of a deadly virus that is and we have to do these things and mandate these things to keep us safe right we have to have certain behavioral changes to keep us safe and those that are disagreeing with us or criticizing us now, if we side with frontline doctors, for example, now is the division. Mm -hmm. Now you've got one side against the other. Well, now they've created that wholeheartedly in the schools. And Eric, this has been, this has been percolating up to the top here for the past 10 years since they first introduced this, the uh, Common Core state standards right. across the country. And they federalized the curriculum for the schools. So... Something like a Marxist effort that is behind critical race theory is something that is ultimately there to, number one, instill fear, the fear that comes out of confrontation and racism, and the division that says, if you disagree with that, look out. Yep. You're the bad guy. You're the racist. And you're the one bucking the system. So now something like this is in is is been implemented into the schools. But Eric, my friend, I am going to argue right now that it is one of the best things that has come up because I know that you have seen footage mm -hmm. of different parts of the country and these parents who have spoken out publicly in these supervisor meetings and these school board meetings they are just on fire eric they're impressive they, the, it, the one that stands out in my mind is the um oh i forget her name it starts with a t uh the awesome lady with the black hair from new york yes i think she was in new york i can't remember her name but yeah okay um for nine minutes with a straight face she just blasted these school board members. And it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. And among other, you know, parents that are getting up there now, Eric, people are paying attention to what these kids are bringing home. They are paying attention to what goes in these kids' minds when they're away from home. Yep. That is a, that is and a huge, huge advantage to us. Absolutely. 
And, and now it's an opportunity, not for them, but for us to not only speak out about these things and oppose these things, but to say, okay, you, Ms. Supervisor, or you, Mr. School Board Member, are on the wrong side of this issue. Mm-hmm. I am not a racist. My child is not a racist. And this is hardcore leftist propaganda that I am not going to still for, and I am not going to accept having this in your curriculum. It's awesome, Eric. Yep. I love talking about it in the terms of Martin Luther King because in my upbringing, he is pivotal. Um, Absolutely. Both my parents talked to me about Martin Luther King. I had the opportunity to read and watch his speeches as a kid. You know, I'm 52, yes. but so I'm a little young for that. So I didn't live it, but right. they brought it to my attention. You know, color really doesn't matter. Are there still some racists in our society? Of course. Are there injustices? Yes. Of course. What I want to point out is there are those things in every form of government around the world. This is the only one that has really moved a huge distance. We have gone through the Constitution to right wrongs. You know, women now vote. Blacks never should have been slaves. But let's face it, the Chinese were treated terribly in something very similar to slavery. The Irish early on were treated as indentured servants. Right. We have righted those wrongs. And our form of government is the only one that provides opportunity and freedom. And there's a reason why we are the beacon to the world. Absolutely, Eric. You know, we have to remember where these things came out of. These things that we're experiencing now, today, came out of the civil unrest and the riotings and the violence behind the Black Lives Matter movement and the lie that was that said there is systemic racism throughout all the police agencies in the country aren't they and more than 40% racism go ahead and there is systemic racism in the country as a whole those are absolute ball-faced lies and these things especially with regards to critical race theory in the schools are what came out of those mm-hmm. so well the movement we got empowered it was around, but it got empowered. They got bold, which was a favor right. to us. Yes, absolutely. So you have to consider the, the the times that we're living in. But to just revisit quickly Martin Luther King Jr., this why this is why his uh, I Have a Dream speech is so important, because the whole crux of it was that he dreamt of a time where we judged people not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And I try to live that. Absolutely. And I live that. And we live that at the John Birch Society. And all good-natured, faith-based, conservative people in this country live that way. We look at people by the content of their character. If you're a good person and you're a friend, I'm going to give you the shirt off my back. Mm -hmm. And you're going to do the same for me regardless of your skin color or where you came from. But if you screw somebody over, now I'm going to be looking at you in a different light. Okay. That's the content of someone's character. So by having something like critical race theory in place 
and every single issue that comes up, the Democrats and the leftists accuse us of being racist somehow. You know what, Eric? That is a badge of honor. That is a victory, my friend, for us. So we shouldn't be. Is, we so we shouldn't be running from it. Absolutely, we should be embracing it. We should we should celebrate the fact that we're called racist when we know that we're not a racist, because that means that is the last card that they have in their hand to play, is the race card. They've got nothing else, Eric. In about forty seconds, why are you hopeful? Eric, my friend, I am hopeful because of the things that we just talked about. We have this um, unfortunate place that we're in right now that discouragement is all around us. But you know what, Eric? The good thing is, is that when you're surrounded by your enemies, you can shoot in any direction and hit your target. Especially in Southern (laughs) California. Uh, this is a time of opportunity for us. Um, the the insiders and the leftists and these crazy communists, that's what they are. They're not liberals. They're not progressive. They're communists. And they're running through the streets naked. And they're not holding anything back anymore. And now we have an opportunity to expose them and expose the truth and really uh, get things to turn in our direction. This is Eric Rollins, The Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. I thank you for joining me today. Thank you.